Hello, you're listening to uh, On Israel in Al Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. There is a sense all around the world that the weather has gone crazy, that it's completely out of control. In our region, Greece is burning. Turkey, especially in the coastal region of Anatolia, has also gone up in flames, and the wildfires are raging across Algeria now. Massive flooding caused loss of life and property in Germany, and uh, this is only a very partial list of the disasters caused by the accelerated warming in, uh, of our planet. Mother Earth is taking revenge on those of us who have been polluting and discrediting it for centuries. We seem to be facing a decisive moment, and the question is, is apocalypse inevitable? Israeli governments have uh, not been overly troubled by the climate crisis uh, or natural disasters in recent years, nor by environmental issues in general. The Netanyahu governments took a mostly conservative view of uh, these issues and aligned themselves with the approach of the Trump administration in recent years. This meant uh, doing the minimum necessary on uh, climate issues, at best, or ignoring them uh, completely and waiting for the problem to go away. The private sector and uh, civil society in Israel have uh, been doing a lot better than the government in terms of uh, environmental protection, with NGOs winning several significant local victories. But this uh, change is really in the air under the new government led by Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid. The minister in charge of uh, protecting Israel's environment uh, is Tamar Zandberg, the former chair of Meretz, a left-wing Green Party that views the climate crisis as an existential threat to Israel and the world. The government has already adopted several important measures uh, that, uh, in this regard, such as a sharp hike in taxes on single-use plastic dishes that pollute the beaches, rivers, and parks at a rate five times higher than the OECD average. The government has also decided to impose a carbon tax on coal and other fossil fuels to help control harmful gas emissions. Israel, it seems, just like the United States, has embarked uh, on a completely new path. Our guest today is one of the leading and influential environmental activists in Israel. Maya Jacobs is the director of Tzalul, an organization dedicated to protecting Israel's seas and streams, and she joined us right after this short commercial break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at almonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon Almonitor's 
outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Now I'm happy to say uh, hello and welcome uh, to our podcast, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, director of Salul, uh, Maya Jacobs. How are you, Maya, and Shalom? Hi, Shalom. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, and we have a very, very uh, large and important issue to discuss. So let's begin uh, with a general uh, question uh, before diving into the details. And I want to ask you, how do you view the political changes in Israel and in the United States almost simultaneously and their potential impact on the fight against global warming, uh, growing pollution, and the uh, dizzying natural disasters around us? Are you hopeful of a significant change in direction? By the way, while we are recording this podcast, we have another an extremely huge uh, fire in the uh, outskirts of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's it. Yeah, and we had another big fire in the Gilboa just this week also. And yeah. fires are another very common problem here. Well, uh, you know, the Israeli government calls itself the government of change. And uh, unfortunately, right now, the environmental community in Israel uh, is very concerned about uh, the fact that there's no real meeting of uh, changing policy towards understanding and, and turning the, you know, turning the policy around and, and committing itself to to addressing climate change, despite the fact that we have a new government uh, in the United States and in Israel, and we were very very hopeful. Israel repeatedly proves that it's that the climate change doesn't really uh, interest it. I am afraid it seems this way. Uh, although it's already affecting us, as you said, we have fires here and we have floods in the winter. But you know, when you when you examine the actual things that are being done on the ground, we are actually uh, very concerned that Israel is actually um, taking away power and control from the Ministry of Environmental Protection and reducing its uh, authorities and uh, giving more more uh, power to polluting industries and doing things that are not in correlation with, with our goals. It is not my, my profession and my, my skills are not in this issue, but from the outside, I, I, my impression was, was opposite because Israel's new government and Minister Tamar Zandberg for merits in particular have already mm-hmm. adopted several important initiatives uh, in this regard, doubling taxes on single-use plastic, imposing taxes on coal, uh, etc. Are you encouraged by these? And carbon. Yes, uh, or, or not so encouraged, like, like I, I, I understand now from you what you just said. These are very important things, and, and it's not that, it, that nothing is being done. You know what? Maybe I'm so concerned with the bad things that I'm not giving enough emphasis to the good things. It's true. First of all, Tamal Zandberg herself is a very good minister. She's uh, fully dedicated. She's the first minister I think ever we had that actually requested this position. The, the, the previous 
minister before her, also Gila Gamliel, did a very good and important job in uh, promoting Israel to the place that we need to be. But we see, on the other hand, that the ministries of, of uh, finance and the ministry of energy and the prime minister's office don't really, <laughs> they're not giving her all the, the, the back that she needs and we don't have the budgets that are needed and we don't have the policy that is needed and the goals that are set are very low and uh, not satisfying. And you know, if Israel wants to become a leader as we are leaders in, in water, uh, in the fields of water, for instance, and in, in cyber and in other things, we need to change the way we behave and we need to turn Israel into uh, an example of, of, of change. And, and we're not doing it right now. We are basically just recently, um, and as we were last of all countries in the USC, OECD, to present our goals on climate change. Um, this is what I wanted to ask you generally. Is Israel meeting the international goals to reduce emissions? What are the major steps that uh, need to be done in Israel in order to meet the goals of Paris? But I think you're already answering that we're in the, in the last place. We, 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 no, we were in the last place of actually answering the request. We were supposed to, to uh, submit our goals in December of 2020, and only a few weeks ago, uh, they were actually submitted in uh, mid-July. And also, they're still not bounding because it's supposed to pass also as a law, not only as a governmental decision. And uh, again, because the Ministry of Energy is, for, is the leading one who is actually uh, against the goals of reduction of uh, carbon and of methane because they want to keep on uh, pushing for gas, despite the fact that it's a, it's a fossil fuel, was uh, the major obstacle in, in this uh, important Okay, task. so so yeah. so now you encourage me to to start talking uh, or dive into the details of the issues uh, itself, and and you are you are leading uh, one of Israel's biggest environmental uh, campaigns against the oil deal that is planned to transfer UAE oil through the Trans-Israel pipeline from the Gulf of Eilat Aqaba to Ashkelon by land mm -hmm. and uh, as a bypass to the Suez Canal. Why is this oil deal problematic? And aren't you concerned uh, you're putting the peace between Israel and the Emirates in danger? Okay, so first of all, it has nothing to do with the peace uh, deal. Uh, well, we should put this up front. The peace deal with the Emirates speaks about encouraging environmental programs and encouraging new types of energy. And it has nothing discussing oil transfer in any ways. Uh, the company, the, the Trans-Israel Pipeline is a very old pipeline that used to serve Israel during our time uh, that we had relations with, with Iran and we shipped uh, Iranian oil in the 17s and there were major, major uh, damages and, and, and harm to the very rare coral reef in Elat back in the 70s. Some of these uh, uh, effects haven't been recovered until today. And, uh, you know, we're in a different time today. The, the plan is to ship uh, Emiratic oil through the Red Sea to ship it all the way along the coast 
uh, within the Red Sea along the, the coasts of Sinai and Saudi Arabia to the Gulf of Elat Aqaba. There it will be shifted to this very old pipeline that is 60 years old almost and is not very well uh, managed. And we had major, major oil spills. I think recently we had in the same pipeline a huge leak that that uh, polluted the large areas of uh, of a uh, very important nature reserves. It happened, I think, two or three or five years ago. Yeah, that was one of them. That was the biggest one with five million liters of oil that uh, that were uh, spilled. But there were many, many others. Uh, at least five that I can recall events. And now there is a there's this there's this um, group that is doing more and more investigations and finding more and more uh, stories of small and big and medium oil leaks that happened along the, the pipeline, and then it, it ships the the oil through this rotten pipeline to Ashkelon on the Israeli coast of the Mediterranean, to which huge vessels will come and pick it up and go to to. Uh, Europe. Now the whole thing is to is basically it's a business deal for some tycoons, but it's putting at huge risk. First of all, the Red Sea, which is home to the most important and rare coral reef in on Earth, because uh, it has this uh, immune system that makes it immune to uh, global warming and to bleaching, which is a phenomenon that we see in corals all over the world. So basically, we are we are the home to the last reef on Earth. After but the, it, the it damage that the, the Great Barrier Reef is suffering, for example. Exactly. And corals all over the world are becoming white and dying, basically. And here we have something that we need to celebrate and we need to preserve. And, uh, and nowhere in the world do you see uh, tourist, rev, uh, you know, tourist resorts like Elat, which is like the Riviera of, of Israel. And, and we've invested millions and millions of dollars in promoting uh, tourism from all over the world and opening a new uh, airport and, and new uh, hotels and to put a huge uh, uh, oil uh, activity in the center of all this is just craziness and totally responsibility. And then again, when you look at the Mediterranean, first of all, the, the threat will be to the entire coast, not only to Ashkelon, and it puts at risk also our desalination. And if you have so much oil that is spilled to the sea and you cannot des desalinate water, if, if it happens while we're in the time of, of, uh, of uh, you know, right now we had a very rainy year last year, but if it's a, a, in a year of drought or a few years of drought, then we'll be in water, our water security will be in jeopardy. So this is a huge danger to Israel. It's a huge risk for our finance to our health they're going to expand the the uh, the tanks that are holding the oil in Ashkelon and in Elat and affecting the health of the people, and they become also uh, a target for missiles. We saw in the last in the last uh, events that we had in uh, Aza. in Aza, yeah, that that Ashkelon was targeted and bombarded a lot, and people were, died there actually also because they tried to hit these oil tanks that are already there and and this is very dangerous and it's just in the it's not the interest of israel and i am sure that our partners in the emirates weren't aware of the amount of dangers that they put us and the risk that but, they put uh, us uh, but uh, my our partner in the emirates are, are businessmen and mm -hmm. uh, i i hear whatever you're saying and i i think i agree but you know on the other side there is a huge 
a, a benefit to the economy, billions of dollars. There is Middle Where? Eastern Here? peace. No, yes. no, no, it's not true. It's not true. It's We're not true. We're going to be paid generously for this pipeline, no, for no, our services. First of all, there's no transparency. And there, the, one of the problems with this specific company is that it, they enjoy, because of the previous relations with, it, with Iran, they enjoy immunity from any type of, of uh, transparency that other companies are demanded for. So we haven't seen the deal itself. And we don't know exactly how much money is going to be transferred to Israel. But estimations are like... A few tens of millions of dollars, not enough to, to uh, really justify such types of huge uh, um, financial uh, costs that might cost if, if something like these things that I just uh, described happen. And also we have so many opportunities. We have, we're, we're in this very historical time now in which we need to, to join hands and invest and to develop new solutions for our for our changing world to become leaders in the world to stop we should stop we should talk now instead of talking about how to become a hub for oil which is what israel is doing the ministry of, of energy that this ministry of energy is, conti is continuing exactly the policy that was uh uh promoted by the previous uh, government which is planned to dramatically expand offshore drilling for gas and oil in the, the okay so okay so uh, this is what i wanted to ask you now because let's move from oil to gas because you could you, mm -hmm. you cannot disagree with me that gas is less polluting and the and the, i think significantly less polluting and the environmental community in israel is campaigning against the expansion of a more offshore drilling for gas in the, mm -hmm. in the Mediterranean Sea. And I ask you why, because the Ministry of Energy says we cannot depend only on solar energy. What is your problem with the realizing the full potential of the gas uh, in, in the shores of Israel? You know, they call it natural gas, which is an, uh, a very, very smart uh, marketing yeah. uh, positioning by the oil companies, and it's called natural gas all over the world, not only in Israel, but it's actually methane gas. And it's not more natural than gas or oil or, or gas or coal or even cyanide. And, and you need to understand that methane is 10 times more uh, dangerous to the environment and as, as, a, as a gas, as a climate uh, uh, enemy than, than uh, carbon dioxide. So, so basically, and these, this is knowledge that is accumulating here too, because we weren't knowledgeable enough, even in 2018, when we led the, the battle to uh, shift the, the oil rig, the Leviathan oil rig, as far as possible from the shore, because we were concerned of the fact that there weren't any uh, security measures to protect the sea and to protect the coast from an oil spill. And we wanted to try and shift it as far as possible from the, from the public and from the coast. Back then, only in 2018, which is not a long time ago, you can find many times in which I said, we're not against the gas, we're against the way you're, you're, un, you're so uh, uh, irresponsible in the way you, that you're producing the gas from, from the water. But from the ground, but you need to understand that knowledge has changed, and we know now how gas is so much more dangerous. Actually, it's it along with the gas, they're also uh, producing a type of a gasoline called condensate, which is very very 
dangerous to itself to the sea and two and half of it evaporates when it if it comes in contact with the water of the sea then half of it would evaporate and become this very poisonous type of uh, a cloud that might reach the the shore and and the the damage to the sea would affect our uh, desalination and would affect the the commerce 99% of everything that goes back and forth into Israel and out is through the sea. If you have a pollution in the sea, you cannot, it's like a big, uh, uh, you know, how do you say it? I forgot the word. If when, <laughs> I like when you have, they're shutting down the, the ports, then then you cannot bring in or out anything from the it's country. It's a siege, so it's a blockade. All the goods, like a siege, something like that. Yeah, so, and, and all the tourism along the coast and, and even, our, our uh, you know, our sanity. Israel is such a crazy place and the sea is one of the most important places for us to go to keep it's sane. The ultimate refuge. But you know, you, yeah. you're, you're coming to the Israelis for a, a generations we were joking. How come all the treasures of the oil are, are, are being found in our neighbor, neighbors' uh, lands like Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, everywhere but Israel. Now, suddenly, we have a part of it and in, in, in gas, not in oil, which is less polluting. You cannot ignore it. And you expect Israel to ignore these treasures and say, we don't need it. It's only tens of billions of dollars uh, to our uh, income, etc. Let's not take it out of the, of the sea because uh, it can pollute. It's a very difficult mission you took upon yourself. The, the, it's, well, the problem is that it's, it's, it's all claims that are not accurate. First of all, let's talk about the income that is expected to Israel. Professor Ethan Shashinsky, who is the person who dealt, who, who planned the entire mm -hmm. uh, gas deal and was the one who did all the planning for the, the income for Israel, just recently gave an, an interview saying that he was wrong and Israel is not going to receive as much money as planned. That is the first thing. The second thing is that the plans now are to invest uh, dramatically. Israel is going to invest a lot of money in all the offshore drilling, uh, in the exploration side. And if if the company and these and we're going to fund it for huge uh, actors like Chevron, which is a company that is much uh, richer than I think the entire state of Israel, and we're going to fund it for them. And if they find, for instance, if they drill and they don't find anything and they have to shut it down, uh, the, the a well, then Israel will will take all the cost on itself. And according to the scheme, they're going to receive. A long time before they need to pay us back, and then during this time, the demand for gas also is going to to be reduced. And they are doing all this within the knowledge that they're only like five to seven seven years for this entire economy to continue because the entire world is running away from gas because gas is considered a huge enemy on humanity, on on, on the human race, on life on Earth as we know it. The tragedy is, I agree with you that for many years we wanted to have gas here and we wanted to have oil, and you know, and the and we came the minute the party is just over, and it's tragic. I agree, but we need to understand the times have changed, and like other things in the world that are changing, we need to adapt ourselves to the future instead of sticking to the past because that are the rules that we know, and we want to continue doing that. So if we invest now. Sorry, so yeah. this is exactly the next next question. If you were in uh, Bennett and Lapid's shoes, 
what would you do uh, differently, taking into consideration the budget uh, constraints and needs and the needed rapid development, etc.? Well, first of all, I would set a climate law, which basically says, okay, we're in a state of emergency. We understand that we need to change everything that we're doing now because Israel specifically is in a very historical uh, position right now because there's so much construction going on and so much development going on. And right now we're doing everything exactly the opposite of what we need to do in order to fit the climate, uh, the climate needs. And, and we have the, the privilege and the advantage of, of being, you know, behind the rest of the world and all their development and everything that they've done in order to learn and to see what went good in other places and what were mistakes that were made in other places and to do the best things for us. And the first thing, for instance, we need to do, as I said, is a climate uh, regulation, a climate law act that will basically change the way all the ministries, all the ministries have things that they can change uh, for the benefit of our people, because we see that we, we've, we see, for instance, in the United States, they have a Green New Deal that puts a lot of effort into creating green new jobs. There are many, many jobs, many opportunities to be developed and to be opened and new finance, financial markets that we need to become leaders of. And we need to understand that if our industry today will be developed in a way that is polluting or is harmful for the people within a very few uh, time frame, we won't be having, we won't have markets to sell them to because the world is looking at, uh, you know, through the glasses of the ESGs, the Environmental Sustainable Goals. And we're doing everything opposite, as I said. So we won't have markets that won't, won't want to buy from us, not because of the BDS, which is the movement against Israel because of, of uh, political reasons, but because they won't want us because of the ESG, because of environmental reasons that we're doing things. We need to be leaders. We have so many opportunities here. We have so much money to be made here. It's true. It's not going to be... Uh, uh, something that you can look at and say, oh my God, it's like oil and wow, it's, it's... But, but if you look at the history of, of so many countries that were affected by unprotected offshore drilling and, and suffered tremendously from pollution and from uh, the effect to their water reservoirs and to their weight of, of producing food and people needed to come to move and shift. And, and we, would, we are right now, if we continue the way we do, if we do the offshore drilling, as they want, we might find ourselves also becoming uh, climate refugees because we, we are totally dependent wow. on desalination. That is uh, the, that is the, and it's not, you know, not it's, so easy to listen to you, but I think uh, I am, I'm sorry, but you know, know, you need to open your eyes and to see what's going on here because yes, the is, world this is, is burning. And we're the reason you are talking to us here today, but uh, I, I want to dive also into this because Israel is a uh, geographic location along uh, with the demographic growth and rapid mm -hmm. construction expansion makes it especially vulnerable. The, the state comp controller is planned to publish an extensive report prior to the Glasgow Climate Summit in uh, November. In mm -hmm. the meantime, his office has published uh, a few smaller reports on the lack of uh, preparedness in local authorities to deal with floods and the lack of ability to cope with big fires. We were just talking about a very big fire in, in Jerusalem. So do you have any solutions for us here? 
Well, yes, as I said, we can and we should do everything differently. Basically, the way to deal with the climate crisis is with uh, three major things. We have the, the two major things that you know the majority of the world does, and another one that is an opportunity that is still not tapped in enough yet. Uh, the first thing is mitigation which means we need to change the way we, we do things. We need to change the energy sources. We need to change um, the, our transportation models. We need to change the way we do construction. There's so many problems and so many uh, pollution and so many gas emissions that are being uh, produced today that we need and we can reduce. For instance, if you look at transportation, Israel is totally dependent on, on private cars. We need to move to electric, electric cars. We need to improve our, our public transportation dramatically. We're, we're spending hours that, that add up to months and even years of our lives sitting in, in traffic jams. It's so unhealthy and it's so unproductive for, unproductive for, the, for the economy. And, and if you, you have good transportation, public transportation, then it's a, that's the way to, mm. to uh, bring the periphery to the center instead of building so much in the center. And then we're all full. The entire center of Israel is, is just blocked by so much uh, concrete that the water has nowhere to go into the ground. And we have, then we'll have these floods. So th there's a huge holistic way that you need to look at things. You need to protect the, the trees. We have tens of thousands of trees that are being cut off and trees and the, the, the trees and the sea are the our major uh, uh, tools, if you could call it that way, to save our lives. They produce the oxygen and they reduce the carbon dioxide. And we're jeopardizing, we're putting both of them in jeopardy because we're, we're taking it down so many trees and we're putting small ones instead, but it will take them decades before they become big and significant. And as we, as I described uh, in, in length, we're, we're jeopardizing our sea. We need to look at the way we manage our, our food security and our agriculture. Israel right now is in a situation in which we, it seems as if the government doesn't want to have any more agriculture in Israel, which is a big mistake, both for keeping you know, the big fields and the big areas open. We, we cannot live in a whole concrete sea. It's, it's unhealthy. It's, it's, uh, it brings the cities, the big cities, make the temperatures even higher than they were. The trees and the... Uh, yeah. I, my, I, we're out of time. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the, yes, I'm, uh, we're all depressed here. But, but we are no, out no, of but, time. No, no, but that's important. It's important for me for, to say that we need to be optimistic because if we manage, everybody uh, comes together and decides to change and to, and, and each and every field that we do, there, there is place for change and there is place for income and there is place for prosperity, then we can save our lives and, and secure ourselves with a much better life. The and uh, my final question, and I will appreciate a short uh, answer, is okay, uh, did we miss uh, the opportunity? Has the world missed its op opportunity? Or can we still uh, save the planet? How can uh, the world change the catastrophic direction it has taken? Okay, so for, first of all, it's not too late. We, it's true that we've already, uh, we're already in the climate change. We cannot stop the, the 
temperatures from rising, rising over the one and a half degrees Celsius, which the world put as a goal in the, in the Paris uh, Climate Accords. However, we can still stop the escalation and secure ourselves livable conditions. As I started saying, first one was through mitigation and changing all the things that I just said we need to change. The other one, is through adaptation, which means we need to focus on preparing ourselves to the changing world. We have the fires, we need to have better means of dealing with fires. We need to have uh, better resources to, to, to protect our water, to, to have better energy, to, re to uh, recognize where we need to do better infrastructure and to prepare as, as good as possible. And the third one, which is something that people less talk about because it's expensive still, but it needs to be tapped into is carbon absorption, which is basically uh, protecting trees and, and encouraging sustainable uh, uh, agriculture on land and in the sea. We need to have a huge, areas of agriculture in order to absorb the carbon. And we need to invest in technology that does these things. And we need to, there, there are things that we can done, that, that can be done, that's what I'm saying. We have so many opportunities, we just need to have our minds to it. If you remember at the, at the beginning of the COVID with the coronavirus, suddenly all the world started having conferences and collaborations, international collaborations, talking about opportunities mm -hmm. and joining hands and forces in order to do things. Now is our time to do the same with the crisis, uh, with the climate crisis. Otherwise, it will be too late. And as we are saying, it needs to be a lot worse in order to to be uh, better. And I think we are in uh, we are seeing the worst now. So maybe it's time to 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 get better. And we have to do what you just said. It it will not happen uh, by itself. Maya Jacobs, the CEO of Celul, it was an extremely interesting conversation. Thank you very much for joining us here in uh, On Israel Thank in Al so Monitor. Much. We'll Thanks. be back uh, right after this uh, short break. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoli. Thank you for staying with us. Maya Jacobs, our guest, the CEO of Salul, uh, is not so enthusiastic like myself with the chances to see a real change in uh, Israel's policy towards uh, environmental uh, issues. Uh, with this uh, change or new government uh, that was uh, sworn in two months ago. She's not so uh, thrilled also with the sharp tax rise on plastic dishes and the 
the new tax on carbon. Jacobs claims that the Bennett-Lapid government is not friendly enough towards the environmental issue and the climate crisis. And as the state comptroller stated in his last report, Israel is not prepared enough to major crisis or emergency situations in climate issues, not in the local arena and also not in the global dimension. On the other hand, Israel says Jacobs is still able to take the lead in the environmental issue as it leads in science, cyber, and high-tech. The opportunity, she says, is still there, and we just have to be assertive enough to grab it. And yes, we still have a chance to save the Earth. I hope you found it uh, interesting, and I hope to, to see you here next uh, week in, on Israel in Al-Monitor. I'm Max from Tel Aviv. Thank you.